You are listening to Matter of Theology, a podcast production that deals with church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We stand firm on the sufficiency of Scripture, hitting every topic with an open Bible and the boldness to say things that others are afraid to. And now, here's the host of Matter of Theology, Chris Huff. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is, well, a matter of theology. My name is Chris. I am your host. Welcome to Season 2, Episode (laughs) 8. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, we are so glad that you are jo- you have joined us. Um, uh, Matter of Theology is a podcast production that seeks to apply biblical truth to all areas of life, whether that be cultural, social, or life inside the church. Um, we are a part of the Bar Podcast Network. That is the Biblical and Reformed Podcast Network. Um, and you need to head on over to the bar, check out the amazing podcasts that are on the bar. Um, you will not be sorry, I promise you. So in... Um, and this episode of Matter of Theology, um, uh, I know that, you know, in the last episode we said, hey, Drew's back. Guess what? Drew's back. And uh, uh, we're going to be releasing episodes uh, more frequently. We're going to be, um, uh, you know, the two of us together and, and all this stuff. And uh, that was the plan. Uh, but then uh, the Lord had other plans and Drew and his family ended up getting COVID pretty bad. Um, so thankfully he is doing well. Uh, he is on the mend. Um, and, uh, so we are thankful for that and thankful that his wife and his son and, uh, the, 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 uh, baby that will be coming soon, uh, that everybody's okay. So, um, so yeah, that, that's why the bit of a delay since, uh, since the last episode and then, uh, and then of course, um, uh, you know, life happens, we've got jobs and, uh, stuff that we, families and stuff that we are, um, we are engaged with. So, um, but in this episode of Matter of Theology, what I wanted to do is um, uh, open up scripture together. I wanted to study um, a chapter, a whole chapter um, together. And that's one of the things that we love to do on Matter of Theology. You guys know that. Um, if you've been listening to us for any given period of time, you have heard us talk about that. So, um, so what we're going to be doing um, in this episode is we are going to be uh, taking a look at Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is where we are going to be in this episode of Matter of Theology. Um, so um, uh, go ahead and open your Bible, get your copy of God's Word, and open to Psalm 77. And while you're doing that, I wanted to give you uh, just a background on and as far as what motivated me to want, want to do this episode. And uh, it was twofold. Number one, um, I was looking through some old uh, notes of mine, and uh, um, I, I, whenever I, I, I do Bible studies or have the opportunity to speak or preach, um, um, and in Matter of Theology's early days, I used to handwrite all my notes. Um, and uh, if you didn't know, I, I love fountain pens. Um, uh, <laughs> just a massive thank you to uh, Dr. Abner Chow. Uh, the Master Seminary, um, when I had the privilege of, uh, Drew and I had the privilege of being at the Shepherds Conference in 2019, uh, he spent a little bit with me going over the joys and wonders and um, the awesomeness of fountain pens. And so uh, so since then, I have um, I have a few, and I used to, I used to write all of my podcast notes um, 
by hand. And um, uh, and now now I, I type those. If, if I have the opportunity to speak or preach, I do still like to write those out, um, write out manuscript or outline by hand. So, But I was looking back through, and I, I remembered that um, last year, when I say last year, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, in 2020, I did a two-part um, Bible study uh, on Facebook and uh, Facebook Live and Instagram Live, I think, for one of them. And I walked through Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is uh, has been something that I've turned through turned to um, for uh, for a few years. Um, just a wonderful, wonderful um, uh, psalm um, there, right in, in, in towards the the middle of the Psalter. Um, that is is a balm to the soul, and uh, so the, the name of the study that I, I I titled it was "Where to Turn in Troubled Times: An Exposition of Psalm 77." Where to turn in troubled times, in troubling times, um, an exposition of Psalm 77. So I was I was looking through that, and then and then I also um, uh, was listening to a sermon by Dr. John MacArthur. Uh, that he gave at Grace Community Church on October 31st of 2021 on Reformation Day. And the name of that sermon um, is entitled Contentment in a World of Discontent. It's a contentment in a world of discontent. And where he walked through, um, and, and one of, by the way, this, this sermon, um, and if you, again, if you guys know me or if you've been listening to the show for any period of time, you know how much uh, Dr. MacArthur means to me personally, it means to my family, and um, and I've listened to a lot of MacArthur sermons. Uh, this was hands down in my top three that I've listened to. Um, wow, uh, go back and listen to it. It is online, and, and actually, what I'll do is I will post a link uh, to Grace to You, and so you can uh, you can listen to that. Um, so, but it was an exposition of uh, Philippians four ten through nineteen, and uh, uh, Dr. MacArthur, of course, did what the Lord has gifted him to do, and that was teach the scriptures, uh, preach the scriptures, and um, and 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 you know, it, it's one of those things that contentment can be something um, that a lot of believers. It is something that a lot of believers struggle with, and um, that should not be the case. That should not be the case. Um, do we have circumstances in and through our lives that that may disappoint us? They may discourage us. Yes, absolutely. But being discontent, not being content, not being uh, when I say content, one one of the things that I mean too is satisfied, not being satisfied with God, not being satisfied with God's promises, not being satisfied with God's provisions, not being satisfied with the sovereignty and the plan and the will of the God we profess to love so very much. Um, and we've all been there, whether it be whether it be discontent in, in a job, discontent in a family situation, discontent, fill in the blank. Um, this is something that, that I know a lot of believers have struggled with at one point or another. And to be honest, to be transparent, myself included. Um, but we need to understand something that, um, that, that this Psalm helps us with. And that's what we're gonna walk through. Um, and, and so, so just a few quotes, if I may, from Dr. MacArthur's uh, sermon on uh, October 31st of 2021. He said this quote, a satisfied heart should be the experience of every believer because God promises to satisfy us with everything we need, period, close quote. Um, uh, another one, quote, contentment is a spiritual virtue. Contentment is a righteous response to the word of God 
and therefore the promises of God. Um, and then one, one more, and then and then we're going to get into this. But uh, Dr. MacArthur said this quote: "Contentment is a righteous attitude. The satisfied and contented person is saying, I am satisfied with what God has brought about in my life. That's the bottom line." Period. Close quote. And so, um, wow, what an, a, a needed reminder. And so, so what we're going to do is we're just going to study this chapter together. A little bit of a high-level overview. It's not going to be a word-for-word -word study because we would be here for, well, hours and hours and hours. And um, uh, that's not going to be the case in this episode. But um, I, I did want to walk through this passage of Scripture. So if you're sitting down or in a place where you can open your Bible, please do. Psalm 77. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the psalm, um, and then we're going to get into it, and um, uh, and we're going to go from there. So, so I'm going to be reading, of course, from the preferred translation of Matter of Theology, the Legacy Standard Bible. Uh, you can head on over to read.lsb.org, read.lsb.org. If you want to follow along, they have an app. You can push pause on the podcast, download the app, open the app up. Psalm 77, hit play on the podcast. There you go. Um, if you do not have a physical copy, you can go over to 316publishing.com, 316publishing.com. Order your copy of uh, the LSB, either the Psalms, uh, New Testament Psalms and Proverbs, or you can now, as of the recording of this episode, you can pre-order the full LSB and um, it will be shipped to you. You definitely want to do that. Okay, here we go. Psalm 77, and in the Legacy Standard Bible, the subtitle is, In My Distress, I Sought the Lord. Okay, here we go. My voice rises to God, and I must cry aloud. My voice rises to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my distress, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. I remember God and I am disturbed. I muse and my spirit faints. You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I give thought to the days of old, the years of long ago. I remember my music in the night. I am musing with my heart and my spirit is searching. Will the Lord reject evermore? And will he not be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his word ended from generation to generation? Has God forgotten to be gracious or has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I shall remember the deeds of Yah. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. O oh God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O oh God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. 
Your arrows went here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your paths in the mighty waters, but your footprints were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 77 in God's inerrant, infallible, and completely sufficient word. Man, I love this psalm. I love it. So just a few opening thoughts about this. First, we don't know what caused the psalmist's lament. Uh, some think it's it's possibly Joseph's story or Jacob lamenting that, that his son is dead, right? Uh, that's Genesis 37. Um, but while we don't know what's causing the lament, it's something serious, right? We know that. It's something heavy and something serious, a, a death, a sickness. Uh, I mean, something to... to um, elicit such emotion in the text. I mean, you see words, cry, you know, cry aloud. Um, uh, you know, my voice rises to God in the day of my distress. Uh, I mean, you, 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 you feel this deep need that the psalmist has. And so, and you notice a lot of repeated words, right? Emphasizing the level of emotion. And, and, and by the way, we see this throughout the Psalter, right? I mean, whenever something wants to be expressed, and, and because again, this is, uh, the, the, the Psalter is, is meant to be our songbook given to us from heaven. And, and, and so we see a lot of repeated words, a lot, um, a, a lot of that. So uh, in this study, uh, Where to Turn in Troubling Times, um, uh, there are four uh, different headings that I want to set before you. Um, the first is called is the cry, okay. The second is the conundrum, and the third is the confident counter, and then lastly will be the corollary. So the cry, the conundrum, the confident counter, and then the corollary. So first we see the cry. This is uh, you you see this in verses one through six, and um, and, and and so so we know that there's a problem, there's an issue, there's 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 lament happening due to some circumstance that is 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 happening to the psalmist, um, and, and and so we see we see a, a, an, an interesting cry here. Notice the personalization that you see. If you have a pen, okay, if you got a ballpoint pen, um, take your ballpoint pen, and and here's what I want you to do. Um, if you write in, in your scriptures, you don't have to, but it's okay to, by the way. Um, notice notice how, how the psalmist personalizes this. So, so underline this, okay? My, I, my, um, in the day of my distress, I, in the night, my hand, my soul, I remember, I muse, you held my, I. It's, it's very, see what I'm saying? Like my and I and, and very, very personal. Very, very personal, and it's it's hyper focused on on, on the, the the results or the fruit, if you will, of whatever circumstance is happening. It's 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 the psalmist is very, very self focused, very, very much focused on on how he he is feeling. Okay, but even even in the midst of that, even in the midst of, 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 of you see this, this focus on the circumstance and on the result of the circumstance, you see him, you, you see him doing something I, that should set an example for all of us. Okay, so in the cry, we see first that, that the psalmist turns to God. 
Okay, he said, my voice rises to God and I must cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. In the day of my distress, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out. So uh, I remember God. Like, I mean, you, you see this so much so. And then, um, and, 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 and so he's turning to God first and foremost. It was, it was Isaac Watts who said this, quote, Every troublesome occurrence in life is an opportunity for someone to take himself to his knees. It improves every sorrow when you increase your acquaintance with heaven, period, close quote. What a reminder. What a reminder. Now we see we see David in, in the Psalms um, mirroring this, okay? In, in, in Psalm 142 in verse 1, David says, I cry aloud with my voice to Yahweh. I make supplication with my voice to Yahweh. It's emphatic. I, I, that, I cry aloud with my voice with my voice out loud to Yahweh, to the Lord. And notice no, notice the descriptors here. Uh, you know, he said, my voice rises to God and I must cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. Okay, he's we will cry aloud. He is crying aloud. Not he should, not he might or he could, but I, he, I will cry aloud and he will hear hear me. That is crucial to remember that, 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 that in the midst of circumstance, in the midst of, of troubling times, in the midst of, of, of just things going, anything that could go wrong goes wrong. First and foremost, we must turn our focus away. And I'm kind of giving away where we're going in a, in a little bit, but we turn our focus away from us and our circumstances, and we have to battle to turn our minds to God, turn our minds to Yahweh, turn our minds to Christ, turn our minds to prayer, turn our minds to the scriptures. The psalmist knew of, of uh, you know, that, that God was faithful. The psalmist knew his God. He didn't just know about God. He knew his God. So where did he turn first and foremost? He turned to God. So the first question that I have to put before all of us, myself included, is in the day of my trouble, in the day of my trouble, in the day of my distress, as the psalmist starts out in verse 2, do I seek the Lord? Or do I dwell in the issue? Do I seek the Lord or is my desire to turn, because of my pride, is my desire to turn this circumstance into an opportunity to be a victim? And, and to, again, focus on myself, focus on the situation, focus on what's not quote unquote fair to me. Is that what, is that what we do? Is that what you do? Is that what I do? Okay, and, and so, so the first thing we see here is, is the psalmist cries out to God. He says, I must cry aloud. I will cry aloud. I have to. I have no other choice. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. Verse 2, in the day of my distress, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. So let's, let's talk about this for a second. So uh, Psalm 50 Verse 15 says, call upon me in the day of troubles. 
I shall rescue you and you will honor me. What a promise. What a promise. The, the, the psalmist in Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of troubles. We will have trouble. Christ has told us we'll have trouble. And I think we all understand that we, we either are in the midst of trouble, we're about to go into trouble, or we're just coming out of trouble. Trouble is something we're going to experience in a fallen world. But the psalmist says, call upon me in the day of troubles and I shall rescue you. I will do this. This is a promise of God. You know, going back to um, Dr. MacArthur's sermon, just a side note here, um, you know, he, he said this, he said that he said, quote, discontent is really an attack on God, on his character, on his word, on his promise. I mean, and, and so we see this in Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of troubles. I shall rescue you. So why don't we do that? Why, why do we, in the midst of trouble and circumstance and heartache, why do we focus on the situation and the circumstance and not on the victory that, that, that we're promised from God, not on the victory that we have in the finished work of Christ? We seek the Lord. Psalm 86, 7, in the day of my trouble, the psalmist says, I shall call upon you. And if you're reading out of the New American Standard or the Legacy Standard, you see that you is capitalized. I will call upon you, for you will answer me. So in the day of my distress, I sought the Lord. Back to verse 2. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. Now this, this is a, is a, this is a, a, you know, at first read, you may go, well, what does that mean? What, 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 what does it, what does he mean by that? In the night, in the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. Here's what it means. It literally translates into this, and it did not grow numb, okay? So how many times have you been, uh, you know, do, okay, perfect example. How many times have you fallen asleep, and this has happened, excuse me, this has happened multiple times with my son. We will be uh, snuggling or something like that, and we'll fall asleep, and I'll fall asleep in some awkward position, like with my arm underneath uh, myself, or he's laying on it, and you wake up, and you're like, yeah, I can't feel the bottom half of my arm. That, I, I, I can't, I cannot do that, it's gone numb, okay? So if you, if, if, you hold your, if you hold your arms above your head for any given period of time, just hold them up, don't, you're not stretching necessarily for anything, we're gonna get to that in a minute, but you're, you're just holding them up. What's going to happen? The blood's going to rush away, or not rush really, but fall back because of gravity, moved back towards your heart, back towards the center physically of who you are. And so what's going to happen is the, your hands are going to go numb. So what the psalmist is saying here, okay, what the psalmist is saying here is this. He is saying, I have stretched out my hands in the night, I've sought the Lord with such veracity, with such fervor, with such zeal, with such a, a, a deep need of God, a deep need to where, to where I'm, I'm straining. I'm straining with everything I, I have for the Lord, so much so that my adrenaline is pumping, my heart is racing. I need God. And so 
because of that, the elevated heart rate and just the reaching and straining and striving towards heaven, my hand that have been stretched out in the night. So notice verse two, by the way, is the day and the night. This is this speaks to, to continual prayer, length of time, uh, persevering prayer. I want to get into that in a second. But the psalmist is saying that that you know, as 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 the psalm as the psalms say elsewhere, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after thee. Is that how we seek God? In the day of our distress, do we seek the Lord with such, all those words, veracity, zeal, fervor, and any other synonym you can think to describe, is that how I reach after God? Is that how I, do I strive and strain after the Lord in that way, regardless of the circumstance, but especially in the day of my distress? Do I seek the Lord in that way? And so he, and so, so he says, he says, he says, you know, you know, notice there in the day, and then in the night. So this, this is is what a wonderful reminder of the, the, this posture of prayer that we must have. This, this 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 posture of persevering prayer. And I said that a few minutes ago. Let me let me tell you where I got that. Um, you know, uh, Paul Washer, um, after the uh, 2021 G3 National Conference, he he said uh, he was he was at Praise Mill Baptist Church um, afterwards and in preaching uh, during the Lord's Day, and he he started talking about this persevering prayer. One of the things that he was saying is he said, you know, sit down to consume any sort of uh, uh, entertainment content. Uh, he didn't say that. Those are just my words. Um, you know, binge watching something uh, uh, on Netflix, Hulu, something like something like that. That's something easy for us to do. We can just consume, 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 consume. But sit down and try to read seven chapters of scripture and spend time in prayer. And I don't know what that noise is, if you guys can hear that. Um, try to do that and your flesh hates it. It, you feel the battle and the tension when that's the case, and 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 that, that's the truth. I, th- I think any any professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ would would agree with that. Um, but but Paul talked about you know what what do I do, what, what do I do when you know when, when I don't, I don't want to pray or I, I don't I don't I don't feel like praying or it, it's not working um, or there, there's no answer uh, or something like that and Paul said then you persevere in prayer and, and and he said it like this and I'm paraphrasing but he said this is it, it's when you reach this desperate point this desperate realization of your own weakness and inability to accomplish anything on your own behalf it's that kind of prayer it's not ceasing prayer. And, and we see that that command in Scripture, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Uh, Ephesians 6.18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. James 5.13, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Philippians 4.6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Man, this, this one verse, verse 2, Psalm 77, 2, could teach professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today 
a lot if they would take the time to study it and pray that the Holy Spirit uh, would use it um, to sanctify them in their progressive sanctification. All right, so uh, b- back to Psalm 77. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I noticed too, uh, you know, when he says, uh, my, you know, at the end of that section, in the night my hand was stretched out without weariness, and then he says this, my soul, my soul refused to be comforted. How honest is that? Are you that kind of, are, are, are you that honest in your prayers? Am I that honest in my prayers? Be honest with your prayers. Be honest with your feelings. Be honest with your heartache. We have a great high priest. Hebrews tells us who is not able, to, or is, is he is able to sympathize and understand everything that we feel and go through. So be honest with them. Be honest with them. It helps you, and it's what God desires as your perfect heavenly Father. So again, it's a good question for us to ask. Is that how we are? So when he says, you know, my soul refused to be comforted, you know, it, it's not, you know, he's just he's just being honest. We've all been there. Uh, what, what if, you know, I, my my soul's not not having it right now. I'm, I, do I? What do I do? What, what do we do in that in that situation? Do we do we do we give up? Do we turn elsewhere? No. No, we as his children, we get up and we persevere. Why? Because we trust in God's promises. Because when we don't, again, back to that MacArthur quote, discontent is an attack on God. It's an attack on his character, an attack on his word, an attack on his promises. Wow. So verse three. I remember God and I'm disturbed. I muse and my spirit faints. Look, he was he was troubled to even I remember God and I'm disturbed. Okay, he's he was troubled just thinking about God because of exactly what, what we just said before. His flesh. He's battling against the flesh. This is a battle. These first These first 10 verses, but specifically verses 1 through 6, this is the psalmist battling, battling with with struggling with discontentment and wrestling with these feelings. But that didn't stop him, okay? Even though he said, my soul refused to be comforted. I remember God, I'm disturbed. I muse and my spirit faints. That did not stop him. But there's, there's an important rest there, right? See, Selah, take a breath. Take a breath and rest. Verse four, you've held my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. You ever been so exhausted, so exhausted that you cannot stay awake? You cannot keep your eyelids open? I mean, the psalmist was uncomfortable. He was so distressed that, God, you you are the only one who who can hold my eyelids open right now. You have done that. I'm so troubled. I can't speak. I have no words. Have you been there? Have I been there? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But again, keep in mind of the bigger picture of what we're seeing here. Right now, the psalmist is is really focusing on the circumstances and the fruit that have come from the circumstances. So verse 5. We see the psalmist here, and this this is an important turn. We see the psalmist here starting battling with and wrestling with 
his thoughts, the mind. And, and, and you see this here. I give thought to the days of old, the years of long ago. He's trying to remember, okay? He's trying to remember. And, and by the way, we see that kind of language, okay, of remembering the days of old. Um, we see that um, elsewhere in Psalm, okay? So Psalm 44, verse 1 um, says this, okay? Uh, o God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have recounted to us the work that you did in their days in the days of old, okay? And then now also, let me go to Psalm 143 and verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I muse, there's that word again, and I'm going to get into that later. I love that word. I muse on the work of your hands. By the way, check this out. The next verse, 143, verse 6. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul reaches for you like a weary land. Sounds a little familiar there. So, so we see that the psalmist is, is, is attempting here. There's a turn. He's trying to shift his thoughts because, and he has been, but he's continuing to battle and shift his thoughts away from whatever circumstance is plaguing him to God and the works of God, okay? Um, so he's, he's trying to remember this. He, he really is wrestling here, okay? Now look at verse six. I remember my music, and I, I like this verse. I, I, I do, I'm a musician. I remember my music in the night. I am musing with my heart and my spirit is searching, okay? So, so here we see more uh, active verbs, okay, of, the, of what the psalmist is doing. And notice again, again, if you have your pen here, this is at verse 5, look at what he's focusing on. I remember, remember the mind, okay? Um, or I'm sorry, verse 5, I give thought, okay, mind. It's verse 6, I remember mind. I'm musing with my heart. Um, heart there is the inner seat of a man, the spiritual seat of the man. The musing with your heart is your mind. And my spirit is searching. Okay, so notice there, he's saying, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to remember my song, okay? Um, by the way, music has always been used as a source of joy and a source of encouragement. Um I don't know about you guys, but I mean, if there are, if there's distress in my life, music is, is a, 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 a something I turn to. I have multiple playlists uh, on my on my devices that uh, that are filled with hymns, filled with hymns of magnificent promise. And in fact, I think I still have it. I can check real quick while I'm recording. Um, so I think I still have it. Um, Oh, where is it? it? It was a playlist that I built um, specifically for, uh, there it is, Keep Your Head Up. I have a playlist entitled Keep Your Head Up. And the whole purpose of that is in moments of distress, there's psalms and songs reminding me of the faithfulness of God, reminding me of the promises of Scripture, that speaks to, and I know you guys, if you've listened to Matter of Theology for any given period of time, you've, you've heard us uh, talk at, at length about the need for, for theologically rich 
music coming from our churches. Um, we, we, we need to get rid um, of, number one, the, the music written by false teachers and false churches. We've, we've covered that a ton. We're probably going to keep covering it because it's a huge problem. But we need songs that are rich in theology because our worship, brothers and sisters, hear me clearly, our worship of God will only go as high as our theology goes deep. Our worship of the living God will never rise higher than the the theology that we know. That is the truth of, of what the scriptures teach. We have to remember that. We must remember that. Um, we, we and, and so when we're when we're looking at songs, when we're when we're we're diving through and digging into to, to music, it needs to be music that is going to equip us um, uh, for for all aspects of life. And remember, you're teaching theology. You're teaching theology dependent with, with the music that you're playing and or listening to. So so we have to listen to good, solid, biblical. Uh, music that, that that is written, yes, of course, by sinners. Absolutely, that's not the issue. But those who are, know that they're sinners, that are practicing repentance and, and desiring to uh, desiring uh, to to write songs uh, for the edification of the saints, for the building up of the bride of Christ. So, so when the roots of theological truth, fueled by the absolute truth of Scripture, run deep, our spirit lowercase spirit, our spirit's doxological response in every aspect of our lives will reach as high as the heavens. And brothers and sisters, that's the way worship is intended to be. So when the psalmist says, I I remember my music in the night, I will, uh, uh, verse verse six, I'm, I'm musing with all my heart. Okay, so, so a couple of key words here. Remember, uh, in the Hebrew, zakar. I'm probably not saying that right. So all you Hebrew scholars out there, uh, show me some grace, okay? Um, but zakar, that, that is to call to mind, to re- recall if necessary. Call to mind, recall on, be in thought of. And, and, and as we're about to see, and as I was just saying when it comes to our worship, our mind... Our mind has to control our emotions. We aren't to be led by our emotions or our experiences, but by our minds which have been informed by scriptural truth. Let me say that again. We are not to be led by our emotions, excuse me, or experiences, but by our minds which have been informed by biblical truth. That is it. We, we, and, and we're seeing that here, right? We're seeing that in this psalm. We're seeing the psalmist emotional. Emotional. And then verse 5, he's like, I give thought. I remember. So he's, he's starting to go, whoa, whoa, okay, okay, okay. I am so weary that I, I, the Lord has held my eyelids open. I've, I've, I've sought him with everything I am, so much so that my hands have been reaching towards heaven and they're not growing numb. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to, to allow my mind to be, uh, to, to be informed by truth. Okay? Um, 
and, and, and scripture, Romans 12, right? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be, approve what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, we've been talking about worship in this section. So, so let, let, let me say this. And um, being content, by the way, being content, um, and this is something Dr. MacArthur was talking about, um, being content is an act of worship. As being content is bowing our knee to the Father and saying, thank you for what you granted unto me, even though it, it hurts. Because I know, I know, and I'm resting on your promises. And I believe them. I'm resolved to be content because I trust in you because you are holy and I am not. You are my perfect heavenly father. You are the potter. I am the clay. So, so we need to be, our minds must inform our spirit's response to whatever we are experiencing. We're constantly told in the scriptures to, to remember all that God has done. We're, we, we see that lit. I, I could spend the rest of our time on this episode just walking through the commands to remember the deeds of the Lord in the scriptures. By, and just reading the verses, by the way. So he says, I remember my song. I, I, I remember it. And, and what fuels that song? What fuels that song? The musing, the musing or the meditating on or the focusing on and the pondering on, the studying, again, the mind. I'm musing with my heart. The inner seat of who I am and my spirit is searching. That is, that, 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 that is crucial. And, I, and again, that word heart in the Hebrew, the the soul's seat of a man, the inner man, the knowledge of a man, the memory, which, which uh, the, that's the determination of every inclination that we have. My spirit is searching. My spirit is pondering. My spirit is, is seeking to expose and seeking after the Lord. Is this how we respond? I love this section of this psalm. Is this how we respond when, when distress comes our way, first or at all? Are we focused on us or in the midst of the storm? Do we cry out to God? Do we, do we take the focus off of us because we have a high view of the whole, our thrice holy God and a low view of man and focus on him and his promises? Do we bow the knee in worship? saying thank you for this opportunity to grow closer to you. So that's the cry. There you go. That's the cry. Now we have to have the conundrum, okay? And this will move a little quicker here. But the conundrum, uh, and we see this in verses 7 through 9. This is a, it, it's, it, it's a list of questions that naturally, I think, come from, and they, they, they can't, they, let, let, me, let me specify it this way. This, these questions naturally come from or flow from the anguish that one is experiencing during distress who's not focused on the Lord, who's not focused on, on God. 
right? These questions are, are, are cries as well. But it's, it's, it's a conundrum. He's going, oh, man, will the Lord reject forevermore? Will, will, will he not be favorable again? I mean, he's asking these questions in verse 7, I mean, 7 through 9. And by the way, again, God wants us to be honest. And so if we're wrestling with that, and please don't hear me, uh, but please don't hear me say that, you know, if you're not focused on the Lord and you're experiencing distress or, or you feel this way, like you are identifying, absolutely you're going, that's Chris, that's where I am right now. Verses one through six describes me. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're not a believer, okay? P- please, please hear that. What I am saying, and this can be difficult as we see the psalmist struggling with, is that we have commands in the scripture and help in the scripture. Again, it's all sufficient for all things as a matter of faith and practice for the believer. We should turn to the scriptures. And... And the psalmist is about to give us the response that we should have. Um, I'm not saying you're not a believer if you're wrestling with that. I'm not saying if you're there um, that that you're anything more than human. That's not that. Please understand that. But at the same time, like I said, we're, we're told in Scripture that we 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 have to content and we have to rejoice. We're going to get into that in a little bit. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, back to your notes, Chris. That would help. <laughs> so, um. Okay, so so again, we, we see this we see this 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 conundrum, right? That this, that the psalmist is 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 struggling with. He's wrestling, wrestling with uh, these these questions and and wrestling with his emotions, um, and 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 you feel that through the questions. I mean, it's palpable. You can you can feel that when you when you're reading it. So let's read through this seven through nine. Will the Lord reject evermore? And will he not be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his word ended from generation to generation? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger shut up his compassion? So a couple of things, again, to, to, to just notice when you're reading this. At first, I think at the surface, you we, we read this and we go, man, I've been there. I've asked those questions. I have. I mean, is God forgotten to be gracious? I mean, is is He going to reject? Is this a rejection? Did I do something wrong? Is there sin in my life? And, um, you know, by the way, a fantastic resource. If you are struggling with fear and anxiety, episode one thirteen of the Just Thinking podcast. Why are you afraid? Uh, where Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, um, they they walk through. They walk through uh, dealing with and putting to death sinful fear and anxiety. You need to listen to that episode. So, uh, side note, back to your, back to our text. One of the things that we see here is, is you know, you first read through seven through nine, you're like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've asked those questions. Okay, cool, cool, good. Then let me let me let me remind you of this, or not remind you of it, but let me let me illuminate something that was illuminated for me in reading this. Is you know, so so for the Lord to reject, for the Lord to not be favorable, for the Lord's loving kindness to cease, for His word to end. For God, you know, for God to forget to be gracious, um, and in His anger shut up compassion. That means that the psalmist is acknowledging that the Lord has been favorable. He has been welcoming. He has. We, the, the psalmist has experienced His loving kindness. Um, his word has gone forth from generation to generation. He has not forgotten to be gracious. He's been incredibly gracious. 
He has shown patience and long-suffering. You see that? So the psalmist is acknowledging that the Lord has been all of these things. And so by asking these questions, it's almost a way of, again, of him giving thought, verse 5, verse 6, remembering, and then, and then going, God's been these things. He's still reminding himself of truth. And remember, he's pondering these things. He's musing over these things um, uh, and, 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 and seeking a cure for the anguish that he's experiencing. The cure, as we're about to see, is taking your focus off of the anguish and the circumstance and to put it on our perfect Heavenly Father. So we see, uh, again, a couple of words to point out. Um, and, and it's always good, by the way, um, uh, Dr. Stephen J. Lawson encouraged, uh, encouraged. Uh, I don't remember where I heard him saying this, but he encouraged me, and I think Drew is with me. But uh, he said, you know, one of his favorite tools to use is a thesaurus, um, and it's very true. It's very true. Um, you know, when you just take these words that we have in English and then look up synonyms of these words, it really helps drive home the point. So. Notice here when he says, uh, will the Lord re reject forevermore? You know, reject here means forcefully, I mean, cast off. I mean, a shove. Has he, is he rejecting? Okay, is he, is he not going to be favorable? Is he not going to be pleased with? Has, has that loving kindness, that faithfulness, that goodness, has that, has that ceased? Has that stopped? Has that come to an end forever? That's a good question. Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his word ended from generation to, to, to generation? Has he stopped speaking? Has it, have his promises ceased? Verse 9, has God forgotten to be, to be gracious, to have mercy upon, to show, is, is, he just, is it out of mind for him, out of sight for him? Or has he in his anger, I mean, that kind of anger and wrath where it's just like, ugh. You know, that, that, that just oh, that nostril flaring, you know, uh, just anger withdrawn or, or shut up his compassion. And then we see Selah again, rest, take a breath, pause. Okay. So after asking these questions though, after asking these questions, he, he says this in verse 10, check this out. Okay. Then I said, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. It, it's like all of a sudden, so he goes from focusing on the anguish, focusing on the distress. Verse 5, he shifts his thoughts. I give thought to, I remember, we've walked through all that. He's asking these questions, these rhetorical questions, okay? remembering that God has, in fact, not rejected. He's been favorable. He's, he's loving and kind. And his word has gone forth from generation to generation. He's been, he has been gracious. He has been long-suffering. And then he says in verse 10, it is my grief. It is my grief. Okay? It is my sickness, my weakness, my infirmity. Here's the key. My sin. That the right, and my, my worry, my fear, my anxiety, all of that is weakness. It's doubting God. 
And he says, it's, 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 it's my weakness that the right hand of the Most High is changed. So, so l- listen, listen, listen. This is key here. This is huge. When we realize that our circumstances are in the hands of a sovereign and a faithful God who does not change, cooler heads will always prevail. Remembering his divine attributes and his goodness shuts out and shuts up all the complaining. All of it. All of it. This is like a eureka moment for him. He's the, the psalmist is going, it's my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. The right hand of the Most High has not changed, but because I'm so focused on me and I'm so focused on my circumstance that I think the right hand of the Most High has changed. But he has not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see that in Hebrews Okay, Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ, 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What a promise that is. So here, we, we have reached this turning point now. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw your attention back to the way this psalm started. I, my, me my hands, my distress, my circumstances. And then it change. It changes. He begins to, he's preaching to himself. He's preaching to himself from the scriptures. He's searching through the scriptures. He's, he's, he's recalling to mind all that God has done brothers and sisters, we must rest in the promises of God found in his word. And that's an active rest. That's a rest that we have to battle for and fight for at times. John 16, Listen to these promises. It, listen to this. John, John 16, I think this is, this is one that, we, that, that a lot of professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ know. These things I have spoken to you. By the way, if you've never studied Jesus' sermon from John 15 through John 17, you need to do that. John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Excuse me. In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. In Christ alone there is peace. And so we rest in the finished and completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ that is the will of the Father, that is applied by the Holy Spirit. We rest there, and then so we take courage. We man up when, when, when distress comes. James chapter 1, we see the brother of Christ here writing these words again that I think we're, a lot of believers are familiar with, but listen to them. And slow down and think about them. He's, James says this, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Consider it joy. Not happiness. That's deeper than happiness. Joy. Why? Verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance. And let perseverance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing 
lacking nothing. Thomas Brooks says this, quote, a gracious soul may look through the darkest cloud and see God smiling on him, period, close quote. I'm going to read that again because I need it. Quote, a gracious soul may look through the darkest cloud and see God smiling on him, period, close quote. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we see the Apostle Paul uh, writing to the Corinthian church um, and, 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 and giving them some, some needed reminders here. Okay, he says this um, in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 12 in verse 9, he, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults and distresses, with persecutions and hardships for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So he says, he, Paul's saying here, I'm boasting in this weakness. Why? So the power of Christ may dwell in me. I'm content. I'm content, satisfied, satisfied with weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, hardships for the sake of Christ. Brothers and sisters, do we understand that? Philippians 1 and verse 29. For you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. For his sake. It's been granted for the glory of Christ to suffer for his sake. Brothers and sisters, our ultimate need has already been met. We have been brought to life in Christ. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God has raised us up through Christ. He has replaced our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. We now will live eternity in his presence with Christ and not under the wrath of God because of our sin. What more could we need? What more could we need? The Apostle Paul, uh, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for our momentary light affliction is working out for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. No distress in this world is even close to comparing the eternal weight of glory and inheritance that is coming to us because of the finished work of Christ. So Paul's saying, our momentary, our light afflictions, it's working out for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 4, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things seen, the things which are seen, excuse me, are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, man, what an example Back to Psalm 77. For us, we remember, we recall, we focus, we muse 
we meditate on the work of Christ and the truths found in the scripture, we remember those things. We we focus on who God is. You know, Dr. R.C. Sproul said a few years back uh, in, the, in the same Q&A as the famous What's Wrong With You People? He said in there, that's the problem with the Christian church today is we don't know who God is. So brothers and sisters, let me challenge you to don't just know about God, but to know God. It was John Knox, the great Scottish reformer. He said this, very, very simple, very, very short quote. Know God, be faithful. That's it. And then he said, love Scotland after, or bless Scotland afterwards. But I took that part out. Know God, because it applies. Know God, be faithful. Look, this, 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 is, this is a fact, okay? This is it. We have and will have and will again, okay? We're going to face trials, tribulations, distresses, heartaches, untimely deaths, sicknesses, um, loss of job, whatever it is. It's how we handle those. It's how we deal with those that show where our trust and our hope lie. It's how we deal with those that will show truly that our desire and pursuit is for godliness. It's it's our being content in whatever God has for us. And that's not easy for me to sit here and say. It's being content in whatever God has for us, being satisfied because we're satisfied in Christ. First, First Timothy 6, 6, check this out. But godliness actually is a mean of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Wow. Will we, in those moments, run to and fix our gaze upon our circumstances and ourselves and our our feels? You know, the six sola today, as Virgil Walker has said, is sola feelings, Right? Um, and, and that is it. Will we focus on those things or will we focus on the faithfulness of God, the might of God, the greatness of God, the majesty of God, the power of God, the love of God, the loving kindness, the favorability, the attributes of God? Now, at this point, let me just say this. I, for one, am very, very grateful and thankful for his immense patience and long suffering with me. <laughs> in these moments. Mm. What, a, what an amazing, amazing reminder. So that's, so first we see in Psalm 77, we see the cry, okay? We see the psalmist pouring out his heart, his soul, and, and focusing on the circumstance, focusing on how he's feeling. And then he starts to remember. He's He's, he's, and in fact, he, you know, that remembering starts back in verse three, but I've been hitting on verse five very specifically. So we've got the cry. We, we, we've got, we've got the conundrum. And now, now we, we, we come to the confident comeback. Now, now we're coming to, 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 to this, this point in the Psalm. He's asked the questions. He's remembered who God is. We look, we're, we're getting to the heart of the matter here. And we see the confident come back in verse 11. 
11 through 15, verses 11 through 15. I shall remember the deeds of Yah. And again, legacy standard, I love it. The name Yah, Yahweh, the name of the Lord. I shall remember the deeds of Yah. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. So the psalmist has a new focus. And this is where we all need to be when distress comes our way. I'm going to quote Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, quite a few times in this section. But, but Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, quote, Fly back my soul away from present turmoil. Period. Close quote. Fly back my soul away from present turmoil. Flee from it. Mortify the sin of focusing on circumstances and being joyless. And feed your spirit with the spirit of joy. That's me. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't Spurgeon, by the way. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's doing it, right? He is doing it. He's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to remember. I'm going to recall. I'm going to call to mind. I'm going to take captive these thoughts. I'm going to call attention to. I'm going to put to the forefront of my mind what? The deeds, the acts, the practices of Yahweh the one true and holy God. Surely, certainly, yes, absolutely, I will remember your wonders of old. I'm going to remember. I'm, I'm going to do it. Again, back to Spurgeon, quote, memory is a fit handmaid for faith, period, close quote. I'm going to remember those wonders, those those extraordinary, hard to fathom deeds of old that, um, that, 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 that all that God has done to show the favorability, to show his loving kindness, to show his power, to show that his word is moving out from generation to generation, to show his graciousness, to show, to show his compassion. I'm going to remember those things. I'm going to remember that, that uh, for us as believers, we remember that as Isaiah 9, 6 says that he is a wonderful counselor. That's who he is. I'm going to remember those wonders of old. I'm going to meditate on everything that I have seen God do and what I know he has done. And for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is where we mine the scriptures. This is where we we seek to, with everything we have, to, to, to mine the wondrous, wondrous well that is the Word of God. The well that will never run dry. The well that is, 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 is perfect. And I'm going to flip over to Psalm 19. I am going to, to, to mine these wondrous words of God. Why? The law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true. They're righteous altogether. They're more desirable than gold. Even much more fine gold, sweeter also than the honey dripping from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your slave is warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. Who can discern his errors? Equip me of hidden faults. Also keep back your slave from presumptuous sins. 
let them not rule over me, and then I will be blameless and shall be acquitted of, of the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. I'm going to lift my eyes to the heavens. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, my mind is is brought to right now. Um, Psalm, uh, well, Psalm 42, we were there, right? As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. Then I shall come and appear before God. My tears have been my food day and night. Is that our response? Do we remember? Do we remember the deeds of Yah? And remember the wonders of old, all that he has done. Do we search the scriptures, the perfect word of God? Verse 12, again, we see, I will meditate on all your work and muse on all your deeds, right? Meditate more language speaking to the mind. I hope you see that and hear that. I will ponder, I will search, I will groan for all the things that you have done, that you have made. The wages of God's work are treasure. All his works are good. So here, here, muse in the Greek, check this out, check this out, this is so good. Sing, talk, speak. That's what that means. When he says, I will muse on your deeds, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about out loud all the things that you've done. I'm going to sing about all of the great and mighty and wondrous deeds that you, O Yahweh, have accomplished. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, back to the Prince of Preachers, quote, Meditation makes rich talking. A meditative man should be a talker. Otherwise, he is a mental miser, a mill which grounds corn only for the miller, period, close quote. He says, I'll muse. I'm going to sing. I'm going to talk. I'm, look, I've got to get this. I'm, I'm going to remember who you are. Verse 13. Oh God. Now he now he gets there, right? Now he's getting to this place of praise, to this place of adoration and affection and attention on God because of who he is and because of what he's done. In the midst of the distress, in the midst of the anguish, he's taking his focus off of that and he's put it on God. And now he's praising God. Oh God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? What a question, right? What a question. Your way, your direction. Oh God, oh, you are the judge. You are the ruler. You are holy. You are sacred. You are set apart. You are not like anything else. There is no other God. So what God, whose God, to whom... There is no, any false God is not a true God who, so there is no God that's great like God, but it's rhetorical. What God is great like God? Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one more time. I love this quote. He who would be wise must worship. He who would be wise must 
worship. So here, the, the psalmist is going to continue now. He's just going to continue in this section of, of, of praise and adoration. Verse 14, you are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. You are the God, the God who works wonders. We've already, you know, we've we've already talked about the the wondrous and the wonderful and the, the majestic things that we see throughout the scriptures, and we know and we've seen in and through our own lives as believers. Hello, you have been bought with the blood of Christ. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known. You have illuminated. You have you have caused people to know your strength, God, your might, your power. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You did it. You did all of this. Every person, every person alive, alive today knows knows that there is a creator just by the natural revelation that they see in the sunrise, in the stars at night, in the moon reflecting the the, the light of the sun. There are no such thing as atheists. Brothers and sisters, please understand that. We that We see that explained. Romans 1 and verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they, they, they being everyone, are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts was their foolish heart was darkened. God has made known his strength among the peoples, by the way. And, and, and again, because of the context, I want to be careful here, because of the context of, 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 of when this psalm was written, um, you always have to, t- you have to take in authorial intent when you are reading the scriptures. Um, that is crucial. Um, we're getting into a section here where, where we're seeing the psalmist remembering what God has done throughout Israel in the Old Testament. Okay? And so you, you have made known your strength among the peoples. And he mentions Moses and Aaron at the end of the psalm. So most likely the psalmist is remembering the strength that God has shown among all of the peoples there, the Israelites, uh, Pharaoh, um, you know, we're, <laughs> the Egyptians. Like we, we, we have to, we have to take that into account. But that also applies to. I mean, God has made known His strength among the peoples, among the whole earth. We have to realize that. We have to, we have to draw that line as well. So, uh, so we see that in Romans one. We see, uh, the, of course, natural revelation mentioned in Psalm nineteen, um, and and he's saying, uh, you know, you, you've made your strength, um, you've made your strength known among, among them. Uh, verse fifteen: You have by your arm redeemed your people, 
you've you have re- redeemed them from from slavery from death uh, and again th- this uh, the sons of Jacob and Joseph again this is referring to Israel okay um, uh, we, we, we know that um, you, you can see that in the New Testament as well read through Romans 11 you'll see that um, so then we see a, again another another rest here which is good take a breath okay the focus has been taken off of the anguish off of the distress and is on to God so now uh, you know we, we we take this breath we take this breath and um, and then like a roller coaster he's gonna continue that uh, downhill in a good way uh, slope okay so so we've seen the cry all right uh, the, the the focus on the on the circumstance, the anguish, the distress. We've seen the conundrum, right? These, I'm, 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 I'm up against a problem here, um, and I'm starting to remember that God has been these things, but because I'm experiencing this, because I'm feeling this, does that mean he's no longer these things? We see the confident comeback in verses 11 uh, through 15. Now we see the corollary, the corollary. Now, corollary is a fun word. Um, uh, so I, I like to um, alliterate, as you guys can tell, because it helps my mind um, remember uh, as I'm as I'm studying this. So a corollary, by the way, is 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 like like a proposition declaration, if you. It's something that's already been proved. Okay, great word. Again, thesauruses, dictionaries, amazing tools. Just saying. So we've got the corollary. And this is this is this is very poetic how he wraps this psalm up. Verse 16, the waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. Your arrows went here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, in your paths, in the mighty waters. But your footprints were not known. You led your people by a flock, by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is in reference to, obviously, you see the, um, this is the psalmist remembering the story that we find in Exodus 14. But I love the way this is written. I, verse 16 is one that always, every time I read it, I smile because I, I love this. The waters saw you, oh God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. It's just like the waters saw you. The waters saw you. I mean, again, you can feel, you can feel the emotion and the response here to true satisfaction and contentment in the Lord and relief. Relief comes by the psalmist turning his mind's attention and therefore his spirit's affection to the God who holds all things in his hand and is the mighty Yahweh. I love, I love this psalm. So that's the corollary. So you've got the cry the conundrum, the confident comeback, and then the corollary. And that is a very, very high overview of Psalm chapter 77. And there's that noise again. (laughs) 
What a reminder. And brothers and sisters, even in, in, this, in the sense of uh, distress and heartache and turmoil and anguish, we have to fight for and cultivate a, a constant remembrance of who God is and what he has done to cultivate a true spirit of joy. And when I say spirit of joy, lowercase s, our spirit, a true spirit of joy. What fuels that joy? Well, that's not something that's just going to come, um, you know, okay, well, I, I know this. And so now it's just going to, it's just going to be okay. Right. When I experience heartache and distress and no, you have to train for it. You got to fight for it. The psalmist is, Psalm 77 is an example for that. This is the psalmist fighting for joy. So my question for, for those listening to this episode is, are you fighting for joy? Are you fighting uh, in the midst of distress to be satisfied in Yahweh and Yahweh alone? Are you wrestling with that? Are you mortifying the, the sin of discontent? Are you mortifying the sin of dissatisfaction in the Lord? Are you mortifying are, are, are you, you, you mortifying a, a, a sense of pride as you're hyper-focused on your circumstance? And are you just grateful that you know the living God and that he has, he has saved you, he is saving you, and he will save you? Are you thankful for the, the positional sanctification that we have because of the Holy Spirit's application of the finished work of the Son by the will of the Father? Is that where you're resting? Or are, are you battling through struggling with your own flesh? There's so much more that can be said. And again, I, I, would, I would admonish you, uh, uh, encourage you to, to listen to episode 113 of the Just Thinking Podcast uh, check out Dr. MacArthur uh, in his sermon uh, entitled Contentment in a World of Discontent. Um, I, I, I could not write fast enough. Um, mm, we have to remember the deeds of Yahweh no matter what. So that's all I've got for this episode of Matter of Theology. I pray that... Uh, uh, that this was an encouragement to you and um, that you will find your rest, your hope, and your joy in everything you need in Christ. And um, and, and may, may his word uh, be the necessary balm to your soul when distress comes. So we've got some more stuff coming soon on Matter of Theology. I promise the two of us will be back together so you won't have to listen to me uh, by myself. And um, we, we so appreciate um uh, anybody and everybody who the Lord would uh, would choose to allow to to listen to matter of theology, we take it very seriously, and we're thankful for each of you. If we can be praying for you, um, please reach out to us on the socials. Um, please do, um, and 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 let us know uh, if there's specific prayer um, or specific distresses or anguishes that you are experiencing. Um, please reach out and let us know. Um, we we would love to 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 hear about those and to pray for you. Um, Promised, we promised to do that. We won't just uh, we won't just say, "Hey, we're going to pray for you," and then you know, never, never actually do. So, uh, something Drew and I take very, very seriously. Um, sorry, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Matter of Theology. We will catch you on the next one. <laughs>